Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Well, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show. It's Tim Jacquet, your host. Uh, today, this segment is supposed to be on Myron Butler, uh, musician artist out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, recording artist. Uh, I'm going to play a couple of tracks of his songs, and um, uh, then we'll be back. Um, so, again, uh, we'll be back in a moment. We're going to take a station break, play a commercials. Uh, from our sponsor, and then we're going to go play a couple of his tunes, his music, and uh, hopefully get into the interview. So thank you guys for listening, and I'm going to go ahead and start the commercial. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group.
Well, good morning, Myron. How's it going? Uh, great. Uh, thank you for joining the program today. Uh, give me one second real quick. I guess to begin with, uh, again, thank you for coming on the program today, the Core Business Show. And uh, I guess to begin with, kind of tell us, uh, the audience, about yourself. Uh, they always come and say, hey, we like to hear them to say exactly uh, we know what we read. We just like to get a personal view. And if you don't mind, give us a personal view. Now, where are you from, and how did you come into music? Well, uh, originally I was born in a small town in Florida called Bradington. Uh, it's about 30 minutes from Tampa. Uh, mm-hmm. began music at a very young age in my life. started playing piano uh, when I was nine years old and directing the, choir, uh, the Sunday school and playing for the Sunshine Band, uh, writing songs when I was 9 or 10 years old as well. Uh, Then when I was in middle school, I moved to Dallas, Texas. My mother and I moved to Dallas, Texas. There I uh, attended an arts high school. I kind of continued my musical studies. Uh, There I joined uh, a community choir called the DFW Mass Choir uh, when Mm -hmm. I was a junior in high school. Uh, met up and linked up with Kirk Franklin, who was one of the directors for that choir. And uh, he just kind of took me under his wing and uh, started there, started, you know, songwriting. Uh, At that point, I had, you know, written for the DFW Mass Choir and uh, written for Kirk Franklin's Christmas Record and Kim Burrell and Nina Standard and some other artists. But I started off as a songwriter. And uh, being a part of, was a part of God's Property and New Nation and pretty much every record that Kirk did uh, from from that point on. Uh, and that kind of led into uh, Myron Butler and Levi uh, and ultimately where I am today. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Amazing story. Yeah, I remember God's Property. Uh, I was on the... Bobby Jones show, I think, in 1997, and um, and I remember uh, God's Property was just coming out, and they came on his show. It was some church in Florida he was doing the taping uh, at, and it was focusing on quartets. And then this young adult choir we never heard of before um, came out, and Kirk wasn't there. I think it was just a group was there, and they song "My Life Was in Your Hands." I mean, we're just blown away uh, with the sound and the style of music. And they they they, say, they announced it with our property, and it was like I said, it was amazing. We were just in shock. We never heard uh, a group sound like that with all the power and the energy. And, um, and then the rest is history. But um, it made a traumatic effect to uh, those people that was in that uh, in that building. It's probably it was about the same size as the Potter's house, um, but uh, like I said, it was just amazing hearing that live for the first time. So, yeah, what inspired? I'm I'm not sure were you uh, either. I, I know I forgot what part of Florida. I don't know if it was Coral Spring, but it was like a building like the Potter's house, uh, some I church. I believe it was Lakeland. I think you're talking about it was the Carpenters Church, uh, which is a, which is because I I vividly remember that that uh, that Bobby Jones. And I want to say it was the Carpenters Church down there. I want to say it's somewhere close. to I think Lakeland. it is. I think yeah. it, I think it, you're right. And I uh, it was it's a big building, and it was exactly. during I think we were there for like a couple of days, and 
reason I was there, the producer of the show, and I don't know if you've seen, no, Bishop. Bishop uh, is one of the organists there with Bobby right. Jones. His wife is the producer, and he has, like, the old-fashioned uh, curly hair, you know, from the uh, right. 70s, 60s and 70s. <laughs> right. Yeah, Bishop is amazing. So I was there because he was coming in with a community group when I was in uh, uh, Kansas, and uh, his aunt is over a community um uh, uh, group there, and I was part of that, and then um, uh, we landed there. But like I said, it was the sound was incredible, totally incredible. We've yeah. never heard anything like that. But what inspired you as a songwriter to write your music? I know a lot of people say they have several ways they write their music. Some write in the middle of the night, some of them just come in pieces. And when Hawkins mentioned a couple of months ago, he said, I just sit at the piano and it just comes to me, the whole song. Uh, how do you write your music? Well, I would probably have to agree with those that you know that that say that it, it comes in many different forms. Uh, for me, sometimes I will sit down at the piano and it'll all come in one swoop. Uh, then there are other times uh, that bits and pieces will come. Uh, maybe a title to a song will come, or maybe a great melody will pop in my head and I'll record it, and I just kind of build it from there. But for me. You know, people often ask, where do you find the inspiration? And for, for me, the inspiration comes from everywhere. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from my family. It comes from uh, uh, sermons uh, that my pastor preaches. It comes from world events. Uh, just all of those things combine to inspire me to write, um, you know, songs. And, you know, and, and it, it greatly affects how I approach uh, songwriting, but I often tell uh, songwriters because uh, I, I just taught a class down at our pastors and leaders conference. For me, uh, I believe that songwriting is both a gift, uh, being that it's God given, uh, and a craft, something that you work wow. on, that you uh, 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 use techniques uh, to become better at. So for me, you know, I will encourage young songwriters to number one, always write. Uh, number two. Uh, uh, find books that will, you know, deal with the technique of songwriting because to me there is a technique and there is a craft to it as well. Uh, but I find inspiration in everything. Wow. So the technique and the craft, I mean, we have, I think one of the challenges of uh, songwriters, um, not so much so to today, but in the past, and we still have that, is that the theology of the songs, I think some uh, composer would complain about, it's a great tune, and it's a great, uh, it, it's a good song, but the only thing is sometimes it's kind of, the the theology is not all the way there. It's something is missing, and really a person had to go back and rewrite the text. It's usually always a text issue. Um, what advice do you, you say to them as they they have a technique and their own individual style, how to make sure that the text is correct, is theology the theology is in there is sound? Uh, is, is that making sense? Yes, yes, it is completely. Because if you you know you're a teenager, you don't have that that full experience, so exactly. you're gonna have to lean on somebody. Well, and and, and that's what I think. Uh, one of the other uh, statements that I make uh, that I believe uh, that I've heard said, and I continue to say it, is that 
to me, I think, you know, the best song or the best songs are rewritten and not necessarily written. And I mean that from the standpoint of, you know, we would, as a songwriter, we would all love to say, I wrote this song in five minutes, and that song went on to be an epic hit that blessed the world and sold all these whatever. But more times than not, you will have to, uh, you know, come write the song, take a minute away from the song, come back to the song, you know, whether it's, you know, re-listening to the melody or re-listening to harmony. But when we talk about gospel music, you know, our music is lyric-based. You know, for me, when somebody says they have a great song, I say, well, don't sing it to me. Just tell me the lyrics. Uh, because for me, our songs are based off the good news of Jesus Christ and, the you know, and the Bible. And I think it doesn't necessarily, because everybody doesn't have, you know, mentors uh, who are great songwriters at their disposal. But what I do believe songwriters have are ministers and pastors in the local churches where they could take not necessarily the, the song structure or the harmony or the melody of the song, but they can take the lyrics to the song and say, Pastor, you know, I'm just wanting to make sure that my lyrics are sound from a theological standpoint, that they really line wow. up from the word uh, or, or with the word. And, you know, if you don't have that person or if you don't have access to your pastor, uh, what I would encourage everyone is to, to do is to take their song and do a Bible study on their song. You know, if if their song is talking about the faithfulness of God or if their song is talking about the Trinity or if their song is talking about whatever, you know, all these theological concepts, to open up the Bible yourself and to, number one, commit it to prayer. You know, you know, confess, God, I don't have anyone that I can lean on from an understanding standpoint, so I'm trusting you, I'm leaning on you to give me understanding because, you know, I believe what spirit touches spirit, and I think if you have the right heart mm -hmm. in your heart to please God through the, through the song, and you're not just just wanting to just you know write something haphazardly, you want to write something that can bless the body, but also that it that is congruent to the Word of God. That if you commit that to prayer, that God will number one uh, uh, enlighten you and give you revelation concerning that. But I believe that God will also bring people into your life that you could go to and get understanding in areas that you may not be as well versed in. Wow, that's powerful there. Are there any conferences? I know you just mentioned a conference at the top of the hour. Uh, conferences, like you were involved with the, the pastor in, in the leadership conference, but are there any other conferences that young songwriters and young artists can go? I know we have GMWA, um, but you have like two dimensions of that. Uh, some younger uh, musicians like GMWA, some of them don't, because I think they feel that it limits them and the music, what they want right is for a smaller ensemble than right. versus a larger group. And it's kind of, uh, and, and some people think of it as, uh, if it's been going on for so long, it's old. Then you have right. someone who wants to jump into something new. Uh, are there anything that beyond, beyond GMWA they, they can go to and get the mentorship, uh, mentorship that they can uh, get that will work and help them develop as an artist? Well, what I will be is completely honest. What, what I okay. think the, that people can get, uh, because I do understand that I've been going to or been you know familiar with GMWA since 1992, so I understand the dynamics and all of that. 
there are some performance rights organizations. We call them PROs. And, and mm-hmm. the purpose of a PRO is basically to pay the writer and the publisher royalties when their songs are played on the radio uh, or the songs are performed in, in any kind of public venue, whether it be elevator music, whether it be music that's played in a restaurant or anything like that. Those three uh, PRO organizations are BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC. Now, what both what all three of the organizations offer, they offer different symposiums, they offer different workshops that are geared wow. to song, songwriting, they're geared to, you know, uh, uh, producers and networking uh, uh, opportunities. But what, but what I would say uh, to the listeners is I think that uh, those symposiums and those workshops are great sources of information, you may or may not be able to find a mentor in those environments. So I don't want to give anyone unrealistic uh, expectations. It's not like you're going to go to those and, and, and be able to say, you know, I hooked up with John Doe and John Doe is my mentor, but you will be able to go to those workshops and those symposiums and find a wealth of knowledge. And I think that's also, I think, the responsibility of becoming a great songwriter is is twofold. Yes, mentorship is great, but I think you as a songwriter have got to take some of that responsibility on your shoulders and seek out the information and utilize the information. Uh, but those three are great uh, are great outlets. You can go to bmi.com. Uh, ASCAP is uh, just the letters A S C A P dot com, and CSAC mm-hmm. is F E S A C dot com. Uh, and and you know their websites are full of information where people can go through and see different you know and you know it's it's sad but most times the workshops are either in Nashville Atlanta Los Angeles or New York so if you're not in those regions you're more than likely going to have to travel there uh, but those are going to be the major outlets because in gospel there really aren't any songwriter specific workshops or things like that that are out there. I don't know, maybe I'll start one or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, it, 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 it's something that, that is definitely needed. Uh, the information is there. you just got to seek out that information. Wow. That's powerful on there. So BNI, CSAC, and ASCAP. And one thing Edwin did, Hawkins did mention, he said, well, today artists get paid because we didn't know we heard of these things but nobody was there to guide us with that and he said one thing he really liked about the industry today even though it's evolving but we do have these organizations they can reach out to a lot easier and they can get paid bottom line so that's a great benefit in versus when he first started um talking talking about your particular music itself who inspired you oh man uh of course, uh, Kirk Franklin, who, you know, has been my mentor since I started. Uh, but people like uh, Edwin and Walter Hawkins and Thomas Whitfield and the Clark Sisters and Milton Brunson uh, and the Thomas Community Singers. Uh, I'm a musician, so, uh, you know, when I was in art school, we listened to, you know, jazz music. So, you know, from a jazz standpoint, the Singers Unlimited and Bill Evans and uh, Thelonious Monk and Art Tatum and all these jazz musicians really influenced, I believe, how I hear, you know, how I hear melody, how I hear harmony. Uh, but those would be, you know, those those uh, integral uh, influences in my life. Mm-hmm. And if 
if you someone asked me uh, on here, are you a traditionalist or are you a contemporary? So I'm music. just assuming that your particular music. I know your music style is is today is more modern, but the music you listen to uh, that inspire you is it more of a mixture or is it more lean towards traditional or if it's lean towards more contemporary? For me, um, I would probably probably be a hybrid. Uh, you know, I listen to traditional music, like I said, Thomas Whitfield was, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning of gospel music and Walter and Edwin Hawkins, even though, you know, uh, Edwin Hawkins is the father of contemporary music now, music has evolved, and so now we look at that as, you know, sort of traditional in a sense. But for me, I listen to anything from excuse me, Walter Edwin or Jermaine Hawkins, all the way up to, you know, Jay Moss or, you know, any of the other contemporary artists uh, that are doing music today. So for me, I'm kind of a hybrid. It's not like it's all traditional or all contemporary. For me, it's a little bit. I glean from both. Okay. And what inspired you is from both as well? Well, well, for me, the traditional music, I think that uh, lyrically, uh, for me, I think traditional lyrics are what uh, grab, uh, captivate me. You know, the simplicity and the the heart behind the lyric of a hymn, you know, draw me nearer. Uh, 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 I am thine, O oh Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. You know, just lyrics like that. So from a traditional sense, it would be, you know, the lyrical content. Uh, what, what I like about the contemporary music or what I pull from contemporary music is just the ever-evolvingness of the music itself, you know, and how, you know, we're hearing different harmonies and how we're approaching things differently music, you know, from a musical standpoint. So, you know, those would probably be the things that I like in each respective genre. Wow. Dealing with the music today, uh, I know things are really, really have changed within the last five years. What do you think where we we headed towards? Um, uh, with the advent of praise and worship is more mainstream now, and uh, the black church. Um, or you think we're in this this mode that we're really involving now? We have traditional, but we're kind of taking the best traditional songs that we know and bringing them, but we, our set of focus now or music of, as of hymns, are we really in the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and slowly that hymn book is just going the way, the, by the wayside, and we would just keep maybe the top five, I, mean, I would say probably the top 25 songs or 50 songs that we would sing for communion, sing for this and that. That's always going to be our staples, but however... Our hymn book, in one sense, has moved from out of the old 100s and the old national hymn book to here we are today. Right. Uh, and, and, and to me, that would speak to the fact that music does evolve. Uh, I think in in the evolution of music, and specifically specifically gospel music, I think that the hymns are something that, that we can't forget. I think even mm-hmm. in our pursuit to be uh, progressive, and our pursuit to be, you know, uh, cutting edge, I think that we can't become so progressive that we discard what we grew up or the foundation. It would, you know, it would almost be, you know, for us to say that we're going to discard the Old Testament once the New Testament came, you know, mm-hmm. and 
and, and, and I think that we can't do that. I do, you know, understand that in our church services today uh, that praise and worship is more congregational, uh, and a lot of times we are inviting people into our churches who have never been in church before, uh, and that's the only way you're going to even have a knowledge of the hymn, How Great Thou Art. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a new convert, you've never heard that song, uh, but I think that even... I think that I understand that, but that can't be the excuse uh, for us to throw them away. Uh, I think that music should be all-encompassing, and that music, even as a minister of music in a church myself, I understood, you know, when I first started playing in churches, that the music that I present in church has to feed the whole body of the church. It can't just be, you know, the cutting-edge contemporary uh, 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 praise and worship, uh, CCM praise and worship music, nor can it just be every hymn, every hymn that's in the hymn book. It has to be all-encompassing uh, so that all of the needs of the entire body are met. So for me, I think that I see the music evolving. I see, you know, we are getting, we're becoming more cutting-edge. I, I, I love the fact, once again, like I said earlier, that the, the praise and worship music is congregational. Because I think a lot of times what I've seen being a minister of music myself is that inside the music service portion of the service, the congregation is is, is limited to being just a spectator as opposed mm-hmm. to, the whole congregation, the platform and the congregation singing to God together as one. Uh, and I think that to me was was not what I believe God wants us to do. I don't think that the congregation should just come and sit there and watch it like it's a movie. You know, I think that it, you know, everyone should participate. So that's what I love about, you know, the praise and worship music, that it's simple, uh, that it's engaging, uh, and that people can feel a part and we can all offer praise to God as one. Uh, but I think that even in that, you know, in music evolving on that side, that's not that's not justification to just let go of the hymns. Wow. And talk about your, uh, as ministry of music, and then we're going to talk about, a little bit more about your career and business portion of it. But when you came in, um, I'm not sure what your experiences when you came to uh, the Potter's house. Uh, leaving a ministry like that, what are the, the really challenges that you had to face? Uh, is it over the numbers or the drive as a minister of music of a of a church like that? What type of uh, how do you actually operate something uh, on that scale? <laughs> With a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yes, the sheer size of it is mammoth uh, by itself. So, you know, you go from being a minister of music or a musician or a choir director for a church, you know, where there are 25 choir members, and now you're at a church where there are 100-plus choir members. So just the sheer volume of people uh, creates... Uh, 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 more of a responsibility uh, that you have to to, to carry. Also, I think just, and and this is not a negative thing, but I think uh, uh, being a minister of music at a church like that where there are quite a few eyes that are always on the church uh, looking for direction, looking to see how the Potter's House does it, for me, uh, it, it is always the pursuit to always be in tune with what God is having uh, uh, me to say, not just wanting to do a song because it's you know in the top five on radio and I like the song, 
But is this song the song that God is saying or calling for us to speak or sing right now in this moment? So for me, that that uh, you have to have a consistently attentive ear to what God is saying. So for me, uh, just the sheer number and volume of people, uh, but also the responsibility of, and not to say that that, that the, the, the person in a smaller church doesn't have that same level of responsibility, but just that there are so many eyes that are on the church. You know, I get emails and, and, and people go to the website and they say, you know, we're watching you over in Africa. And, we, you know, we saw, and we love that. Oh, you know, they'll send me a, a Facebook message from Africa asking me about the song that I did this past Sunday. So that lets me know the sheer, you know, reach of the church, you know, extends, you know, in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex or even Texas, that it reaches across the world and on a very consistent or, you know, it's not like, oh, we like the song you did two months ago. They're they're responding, you know, if we sing on Sunday, they're, they're responding on Monday or Tuesday. So just that level of responsibility and 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 knowing that those eyes are watching causes you to want to make sure not not that you're not going to make a mistake because you will you know and i I don't want to send that message out to ministers of music that you can't make a mistake but i think the pursuit should be god what are you having us to say right now you know the the old adage how do you convey that to a, a choir who wants to do the stuff on the radio and to explain them in a pastoral way, say, that's not always why we're here. Uh, what do you say? Because I know you face that all the time. Hey, I heard such and such, and it just really speaks to me. I speak to my friend, too. And But in, in hindsight, that's not really good for worship as a community. Exactly. For me, it's about priority. You know, mm-hmm. when I talk to, to singers and musicians, uh, musicians, uh, what, what I tell them is that we are not gifted to appease our own desires. We are gifted to serve. And at the at the end of the day, my desires have to die, and the needs of the people has to be paramount and priority. And when that is the case, then I can't justify or even you know acquiesce on a request for, for from someone to do a song just because. They like it, uh, mm-hmm. you know. You know, there are even even some of my Potter's House choir members ask me. You know, we want to do some of the songs from your record, and you know, I realize that there are some songs on my record that may not be conducive in a Sunday morning service. You know, mm-hmm. to say that they're bad songs, not to say that they're not uh, a, a, a biblically based songs, but just inside of a traditional Sunday morning service, the songs. Would, are not going to be what I believe God has called for that moment. So at the end of the day, I've got to die to, you know, this, the desire of wanting to do my own songs, you know, even the more just wanting to do a song because it's in the top five on radio. For me, you know, the minister of music's job is to identify the sound of his or her house and present music and deliver music that is going to speak to that body and feed that body. And that has to be the ultimate motive. Anything else, you know, is a is a plan for disaster. Wow. So when you go into day-to-day operations, um, uh, what is it like when you actually you arrive there, you, know, you have your band rehearsal, you have your choir rehearsal, you have your meeting with your staff? Uh, what is the day-to-day 
uh, for you there at the Potter's House? Well, for me, uh, the day-to-day is is exactly that. My choir, the Potter's House Choir, sings twice a month. So uh, we rehearse on Saturday. So we rehearse the, uh, the Saturday before the first Sunday and the Saturday before mm-hmm. the third Sunday. Uh, so, you know, our, our rehearsals are really kind of, you know, intense because we only rehearse two times a month. So they're an hour and a half, almost two two hour uh, rehearsals at that point. Uh, dealing with my, you know, choir staff, choir liaison, choir uh, section leaders that can disseminate information and get information out to the choir members. Uh, but also, you know, our church is always doing something, whether it's a conference, whether it's manpower, or woman that are loose, or, you know, mm-hmm. pastor leaders, or whatever. So there's always... Uh, 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 needs that the music department has to meet. So for me, those uh, those day-to-day operation and uh, operation meetings are you know the nuts and bolts of how we get things done. Uh, so for me, you know, if someone asks me how do I do it, you know, having a family, being the minister of music at a church, also doing records on my own, you know, I tell mm-hmm. them, you know, having grown into this, I don't think that. There are ten steps to being able to manage, you know, your schedule. I think uh, for me it's about prioritizing and, you know, carving out specific time in the day to attend to, you know, all of those different things, uh, whether it be responding to emails, whether it be preparing songs, whether it be, you know, uh, getting uh, music out to musicians, all of that, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, doing radio interviews or whether it be doing promotional uh, 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 appearances for the record that I have out. Uh, for me, it's about prioritizing and being organized and committing your plans to God and saying, God, this is what I have to do. Give me the grace to accomplish all of this. Uh, but it's, there are no black and white ten steps to, you know, being able to handle a, 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 a grueling schedule. You just have to look at it from an individual standpoint of what you have to accomplish, and you know, be responsible as it relates to time. Wow. And uh, so, your, the Potter's House Choir sings twice a month, and then there are alternating groups that sings the other Sundays. That is correct. So at the Potter's House, we have the Potter's House Choir that sings on first and third, uh, and then we have the Bishop's Choir, uh, which sings second and fourth. Uh, more times than not, whenever there is a fifth Sunday, uh, we'll have special music or my choir will sing, uh, or we just kind of play that one by ear, uh, given that uh, we are rebuilding our youth ministries, and the youth ministries would normally take that fifth Sunday. Uh, so we mm-hmm. kind of play the fifth Sundays by ear, but that's pretty much uh, the schedule of how we uh, make it through our calendar year. Okay. Uh, when you have, for example, you have satellite campuses in, in uh, I believe, Plano and Fort Worth, uh, so you, within your staff, you have, like, a sub-staff that handles those other campuses? Well, actually, we have staffed those uh, those two satellite locations, uh, our north location, uh, where uh, Pastor Cheryl Brady is the pastor. We've staffed that from a music standpoint. They also have a praise team, and they're building up their choir that is completely staffed. Uh, with the people that are out there, and the same applies to our location in Fort Worth. Uh, we have our own, <coughs> excuse me, separate staff of musicians uh, that operate uh, the Fort Worth campus, as well as a Fort Worth worship leader that handles all of the, the vocalists there. Uh, and we've we've kind of got it up and running to a point now to where the satellite uh, satellite campuses can kind of run their campus 
with their own system. So it's not like the main campus has to send out instruction and kind of, uh, you know, macro-manage those satellite locations. They, wow. they, uh, they run those on their own. Okay. And then also you have something in Denver as well. So that's totally staffed on its own. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I know Bishop talked about purpose and provision and passion uh, message, uh, I think, on New Year's Eve, and he he continued to talk about it for the whole month of, of January. Ha- with those particular three words of pa- your passion, your provision, your purpose, how do you see that? Uh, I know you. I'm sure you had time to reflect on that. I mean, we've talked about it within the, this past top of the hour. How do you see that for yourself? Um, because you, I mean, not only you're at this this mega church. I mean, you want a Grammy. You're producing. You have a group. Um, how does that play a part in discerning who you are? Well, for me, you know, the passion uh, uh, and purpose. You know, I, for me, purpose is very important and integral in my life. You know, uh, it, it is, and, and I think in the mind and in, in, in the life of everyone wants to know what's my purpose. What was what was I created to do? You know, and once you find that, once you re- recognize that, uh, then to me, passion and provision flow out of that. For me, wow. uh, I tell people that I, when I was, you know, a kid, I would sit in church when I was a little boy in, in Florida. I would sit next to the organ player, and I would sit there and just gaze at the organ player for the entire service. This was nothing my mother or my grandparents, they didn't, you know, uh, provoke me to do that. It was something inside of me that I didn't even understand at that point. You know, I knew music was something that I liked to do, but it wasn't that anyone forced me to do it or I was, you know, making this conscious effort to do this. It was something on the inside of me that connected with that music. And later on, I realized that music was directly connected to my purpose. And now people ask me, there's like, you know, there's some people that I that I come in contact with that, you know, don't know what I do or, you know, have never met me before, and they're like, so what else do you do? And I'm like, "Um, (laughs) music is all I do. Music is all I do. So for me, the purpose, you know, and and I would even go go as far to say that, to me, I understand that music is not my only purpose. I understand that it is a very big part of my purpose, but it is only one dimension or one facet of it. But for me, out of that, passion and the fervor and the drive with which I do or complete my purpose flows out of that. And ultimately, to me, or for me, it has a direct connection to my provision, you know, whether it is, you know, dreams that I have that I want to accomplish or whether it is, you know, simply providing for my family flows out of that purpose and passion. So for me, I've seen that, you know, I've seen seen that tangible in my life. Uh, and so for me, I think it begins, even as Bishop talked about on the life class with Oprah, you know, everybody wants to know what's my purpose, what is it that I'm supposed to do, you know, and ultimately I don't think anyone can answer that question for you but God, but I do believe that once you find it, that passion and provision flow out of it. Wow. And 
in, in developing your career, um, I mean, it is, I mean, besides having your, your job as a potter's house, I mean, how do you manage, uh, I'm sure you have a publicist and, you know, of course you have a manager, and as a business yourself, how do you manage your career as a business? I mean, uh, do you have someone to do all your publicity, someone who handles your your scheduling, uh, you have a person who actually is your manager. How do you function, put all those things well, together? Well, see, and, and that's the thing for me. Well, the, the, the first question, uh, one of the uh, uh, upsides uh, is that I'm on, I'm on EMI Gospel. So EMI Gospel handles everything from publicity to promotions to, you know, uh, uh, new ventures or new opportunities that are out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think for me, one of because I'm a hands-on guy, you know, I've been I've been doing this since '96 or '97. So for me, it really is. I, I set goals for the year. You know, if there is a new record uh, that I'm going to record on myself, you know, I kind of like to know that at least a year ahead, or at least a year and a half, so that I can plan and kind of structure things from a business standpoint, so that that is easy for me to do from a business standpoint, and the business part of it doesn't hinder the creative part of it. So for me, if it's a record, I'm going to plan a record on myself. I'm going to plan it out at least a year in advance. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also a producer, so like this year, right, like right now, I'm currently in the middle of producing a record for Tamala Man, uh, and getting ready to produce a record for Sherry Jones Moffat as well. So for me, it's about having planning meetings with those artists so that I can plan out, you know, create a timeline, set a date, and then kind of back in the schedule as it relates to accomplishing that record from, you know, uh, into that as well. So, you know, from booking, scheduling, you know, really, you know, God has blessed me with a a wife that I could have never imagined. You know, she, uh, (laughs) she handles the schedule. She's able to, whether it's, radio interviews or performance dates or, you know, workshops or things that have to do with the church, she kind of helps me keep the schedule intact. So for me, luckily, you know, I'm I'm able to really handle it and manage it, you know, between she, myself, and and the label. Uh, You know, and and, and I've got, you know, other road managers that travel with me when I go out to make things, you know, easy for me. But for me, you know, uh, what what I have to do for the year, I like to plan it at least, if I can, on a yearly basis so that I can say, hey, for the month of June and July, I'm getting ready for a live record. So, you know, mm-hmm. two to three months before then, I know that I can block off time so that I can devote to that. So for me, it's just about assembling a team. And my team is small uh, because I'm such a hands-on guy. Mm-hmm. And BMI uh, take care of all the other stuff, and it's good that your, your wife take care of all your day-to-day it's going to make life a lot, yeah, and should make her involvement. And when you negotiate a contract, what was it like negotiating the contract with uh, uh, EMI? Well, you know, for me, it was it was more simple than, and that's why I don't like to use my example because mm-hmm. my my example is 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 not the norm. Uh, like I said, I had written for. Smokey Norfolk, I had written for Bishop Jakes in the Potter's House. This was about almost 10 years ago. Uh, I had written mm-hmm. for LeJune Thompson, 
uh, and all of those uh, were EMI gospel artists. And so I had Levi, and we had recorded a, a, a local performance that we did. Uh, there was some sort of concert that Kirk was doing, and we uh, recorded, we videoed the, the performance, and we sent it, or I sent it to EMI, to Ken Pennell over at EMI, and it was as simple as when he saw, you know, the DVD, he looked at the track record and resume of music that I had done, he sent me back just a, a short response and said, let's do a deal, you know. Wow. And, you know, that's not typical, you know. And so I, that's why I really don't like to use my example. I mean, I, I like to be transparent, but I don't want to ever give off the, the, the unrealistic. That's that easy. Right, that is that easy because for for everyone it won't be. But what I but I, what I do tell artists, songwriters, and producers is that there is power in your track record or in your resume. So you know, let that be the thing that will go and speak for you when you may not have you know the power to speak for yourself because people are watching. You know, we all know we live in the information age, so you can Google mm-hmm. somebody and see all the work that they've done. You know, with with the click of a mouse. So at that point, that will speak for you and will sometimes open up doors that you don't even have the power to open yourself. Wow. Uh, last couple of questions regarding um, if there's a song that speaks to you, give you a chance to reflect on that uh, for a second, uh, what song will that be? And before we say that, let's go to how you like to – where will you like to be in the next 10 years and how you like to be remembered in 100 years? Wow. Uh, in the next I don't know which one is easier. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are hard. I'm going to try my best. Uh, in, the, in the next 10 years, uh, I would like to uh, still be doing music. Uh, I would like to have a platform uh, that I could use, use to catapult uh, aspiring artists and songwriters. Uh, I would like to have a viable publishing company uh, that I can pass on to my children. Uh, I would love to have, I do believe that there are some other ministry assignments that God has for me. Uh, a lot of times when I'm talking to people, they'll always ask me if I'm a preacher, and I get that. If I have a dollar for every time someone asks me that, I would be rich ten <laughs> times over. Uh, but I do – I understand that it's not just people saying that. I do believe that there is a call there, but I'm very sensitive uh, to that. Uh, in ten years uh, – well, in the very near future, God has just opened up a door uh, for me to get uh, a Ph.D., uh, and so I would have liked to have completed that so it would be Dr. Myron Butler and not just <laughs> the colloquialism doctor. Uh, uh, how I would like to be remembered is someone that was able to capture uh, the heart of God in song, uh, someone that uh, was a man of integrity and whose life speaks to the fact that uh, it is possible to be to have character and have integrity uh, and be um, the man that God has called you. Not perfect, uh, but to be the man that God has called you to, to be. I think a lot of times I grew up in a single-parent home uh, with just my mother, so I didn't have a tangible example of what a father looked like or what a husband looked like or what, or even as other men 
uh, that are in the gospel music business. I think a lot of times we see more examples of the marriage failing or of men not having integrity than we do the opposite. Uh, when it when you know uh, having a successful marriage and being a man of integrity should be the norm, uh, it's not. So I would like to be a tangible example of of, of a man that that was that did what God called him to do in the earth uh, and did it with character and integrity. The song that I would say uh, that speaks to me, there's a song that's on my latest project that was on the project before that as well. We decided to re-release it, uh, the song entitled Simply Speak. Uh, and the song says, I shall have what I decree. Yes, I believe it belongs to me. So I'm going to speak into the atmosphere. Uh, I'm a firm believer uh, that our words have power. Uh, we understand that death and life are in the power of the tongue and that we have the power to literally open up our mouth and decree a thing. And if it is in agreement with the will of the Lord, uh, then it shall come to pass. But a lot of times I see people that walk uh, far beneath the purpose that God has called them. I, sometimes, a lot of, more times than not, I meet people that God has spoke things in their spirit, uh, but they allow fear and, you know, the unknown and doubt to uh, hinder them from walking in the purpose that God has called them to walk in. Uh, but if they would literally open up their mouth and begin to decree on earth what God has said in heaven, then it shall come to pass. So that song is really powerful. and It's a powerful principle to me that I believe in. Uh, and so that would probably be that song that I would say. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for joining the program. Thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, wish you many blessings in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I want to let all uh, all the viewers and, and, and people that subscribe and people that uh, interact uh, to, to know on, I'm on Twitter at Myron Butler. You can tweet me. It's me that responds back. It's not an automated response. Uh, on Facebook, it's Myron Butler as well. Uh, but more importantly and more directly, you can go to my website, uh, MyronButler.com. Uh, there, excuse me, you can kind of click and peruse through all that God has allowed me to do. You can, you know, send me a message there as well, uh, and I'll respond back, whether it's a message about songwriting or a producer or an artist or just, you know, just, you know, wanting to reach out and let me know uh, how the records have, the records that I've done have affected your life. But I love to stay connected to God's people. So I'm encouraging everybody to reach out. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Thank you, Myron Buller. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. okay take, take care. care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been another production of the Corpus and Show with Kim Thank you guys all for listening. And feel free to download this episode on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. Thank you for listening. Everybody have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to The Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.